good to see you all this morning. Um, in preparing for this, it wasn't hard to, you know, receive a text from the Lord. Um, and throughout this week, throughout the last few weeks, God has been bringing to my attention John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. Over and over, I'm just going about my daily life, and people are mentioning abiding. People are mentioning remaining in God. And I was like, well, I think God wants me to talk about that. Um, in class, in our, in our series with the youth, abiding kept coming forth in our studies. And I want to share with you this morning just a story um, from, I guess, my experience with my grandfather. And I'm sure a lot of you have experiences or um, stories that you have in, you know, just times of remembrance with those that, that you used to spend so much time with. Uh, maybe it was your grandparents. Maybe it's someone that you spend time with now. Uh, but for me, my grandfather, I didn't see him often, but whenever I would go to New Jersey, he would be pastoring up there. And oftentimes, I just wanted to, like, get tucked away in a corner with him and just pick his brain about just spirituality, about God, and wanted to just learn from him. And oftentimes, I'd come before him and say, and it was oftentimes in the middle of a semester, I'd go during Thanksgiving, over Christmas break, and I'd say, uh, abuelo, that's grandfather in Spanish, abuelo, tell me something, how, how, can, I, how can I strengthen myself in the faith? How, like, just tell me whatever, like, just, you know, tell me the truth, but tell me whatever. And he'd often say, spend time praying. I would go, well, duh. He's like, spend time praying more than you usually do. Okay. I could have read this on the internet. Um, what else, what else, Abuelo? What else you got for me? Pray. Pray more than you usually do. And pray until you're filled with God. I was like, oh, fell on the floor, just blown away. But what he was telling me, and he went on to explain that, oftentimes we, we cut God short. We think, the moment I just say a, a five-second prayer, that's it. And that's good, too. God can do whatever in a second that he can do in an hour. I'm not saying that. What I'm trying to say is this, is that he was telling me, pray until your desires become God's desires. Pray until you feel peace in your heart about that decision. Pray until you feel the direction of God. Pray until, pray until, pray until. He didn't want me to stop short. I said, uh, I keep wanting to say pastor, but abuelo, how have you been able to stay in ministry this long and, and, and thriving um, in your faith? And he told me, I've realized that I can't do anything apart from God. And that's what he shared with me, that he couldn't do anything apart from God. And that's what we're going to dive in this morning in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, that we cannot do anything without remaining in God. And whatever comes afterwards or before that is really something that we've worked up ourselves that is really in vain. So as we turn to John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, um, I just want to pause real quick and say that my family's here. I have my wife, my youngest sister, my, one of my older sisters, and then my um, cuñado, it means brother-in-law in Spanish, Tim. So if you guys could welcome them real quick. <laughs> It's good to have you guys here today. They spent the night at um, our apartment, and we just had a good time um, staying up late and enjoying each other's company, but I'm glad you're here. Um, that being said, let's pray, and then we're going to dive into what the word, the word says about abiding in God. Uh, dear Lord, Heavenly Father, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. And Lord, um, I pray, God, 
that in all of our minds that we may push away what is false and accept your word as being true, Lord God. May we um, rid our minds, may you help us rid our minds of all distractions, that we may hear your voice through the scriptures today, Lord God. Help us understand what you have to share with us this morning. Amen. So the need for this passage, which we're about to read, is that for Christians to be reminded of God as a source for all things and that he prunes us to look like Jesus. And we're going to go into descriptions of what prunes mean, what, what uh, pruning means, uh, how is God the source of all things. We're going to read about all that. But starting in verse 1 of chapter 15, it says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6, if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such, branch are, such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, continue to verse 7, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to me by, to be my disciples. Praise God. We actually went to verse 8 on that. But if you remember anything, as I usually say, you can hit record now and then end it right after I say this. But Jesus is at work in the life of every believer to bear fruit for God's glory. And there's, it's very particular. Jesus is at work in the life of every believer to bear fruit for God's glory. And the main part is there for God's glory, not our own, all right? So we're going to dive in to give you a background of this book, to give you a background of this chapter, to give you a background of what Jesus is even trying to say right here. He is addressing, is it Jesus speaking? He is addressing his disciples. He is soon to leave. To, to, um, he knows the crucifixion is coming. He knows he's going to end up with the Father. He knows where he's going. He knows he's going to be at the right hand of God. But he's preparing his disciples and saying, hey, in this, time, in this faith, as my disciples, as, my, as the apostles of me, you need to abide in me. So first he's talking to his disciples. And there's a lot of takeaways for us Christians today, but he's addressing the 12. And he's telling them that apart from me, you can do nothing. Because remember, they were following Jesus. They were following him everywhere and seeing him do miracles, seeing him heal, seeing him preach uh, his word, the Father's word. And people were coming to faith in Christ. People were placing their faith in God. But he's saying, when I leave, as you continue, you cannot do anything without abiding in me. That's what Jesus is sharing with his disciples. And in the book of John, overall, it's really sharing the characteristics of, of Jesus. It's really sharing who he is, his power. It reveals his heart to us. It reveals his mission, the purpose he came to earth, 
what he's capable of doing in relation to miracles, it speaks about everything. And oftentimes people will tell you, if you just came to faith, read the book of John, because then you'll get to know who Jesus is. The person you just put your faith in, read John, and it will literally share with you and lay it out who Jesus is. So as we begin, I have four realities about um, abiding in God. The first one is that we are cleansed by God. The second is that we remain in God. Third is fruitlessness has no place with God. And we remain in Christ for God's glory. And the first point is the division of the first two verses. So let's read that one more time. I'm the true vine, and my father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Honestly, we could just preach on that this morning. But I, I, I made it a little longer. But we could just stop right there. There's plenty to go over. And I want to go over that. This is the last I am statements, I am statement of Jesus. He has seven in total, but this is the last one. I am the true vine, and my father is a gardener. And what's special about this is that he says that he is the true vine, meaning that we could, we could place our life, we could place our hope, we can uh, be attached, connected to whatever it is that we want to. But Jesus is telling us here, as he told his disciples, that he is the true vine. And what's awesome and what was cool to learn is that in the Old Testament, Israel is usually um, a symbol of a vine. But what was even more interesting is that Israel could not produce the fruit that was asked of them. And it was purposeful. It was asked of Israel to produce certain fruit, to be like God, to resemble God amongst the nations, right? But Israel oftentimes, as you and I know, that they dropped the ball. Oftentimes they were over here praising idols. God would call them back and they would go, we're going to only serve you. And then they would go back to praising idols and then just back and forth. It's like a pendulum, just back and forth. They kept dropping the ball. But it's an example to us. Why? Because in the vine in the Old Testament, Israel, who was asked to produce fruit for God amongst the nations, could not do it. And they were supposed to abide in their nation and being the people of God. They weren't able to. It wasn't substantial, but we we're able to abide in the vine. And continuing forth in Jesus being the vine, they, again, they failed to produce good fruit. But today we ought to be rooted in Jesus, not in anything else in this world. There's a lot of things reaching for your distraction, and I'm sorry if you didn't know before this morning, there's a lot of distractions in this world. Some things are, are, are better than others, but the enemy is trying to distract us from abiding in Christ. And we're going to go over what abiding even means. What, what is fruit of God? What does that even mean? I don't want to assume that some that everyone in this room knows exactly what that means, but let's go over it a little bit. That Jesus is the true vine. It says in John 14, 6 that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the one is through how we stay connected to God. It is only through Jesus that we can even have a relationship with God. And if you follow Jesus, then be prepared to be transformed by God. When you allow Jesus in your life, God begins a work within you. Oftentimes, remember, this is almost a, a part two to what we spoke about three weeks ago. I hope you remember. And we were in First Peter. We were talking about being refined by the Father. And we were talking about holiness. This is pretty much part two. Why? Because when we, when we give our life to Christ, oftentimes 
we might not explain to that individual, we might not explain to one another that it's further than that. It's like that's where the journey begins. But God is wanting to, to prune, wanting to make you holy, wanting to cleanse you so that you can look more like his son, Jesus Christ. Oftentimes we just sit idly, and sometimes church, we got to be responsible. Someone comes to Christ, and we just leave them in their tracks. We say, you're saved. God bless you. See you next Sunday. But we don't follow up with them and say, hey, it starts here, but let's start to grow in what God has for you and what he wants to make you, which is an image of his son, Jesus Christ. So God is, we went over true vine. God is the gardener. What's really cool, and I'm sure a lot of people here can relate to this, is that gardener, a better word for that, can be translated as farmer. Amen? Everyone's like, amen. God is the farmer. He's the vine dresser. He's the worker of the soil. It's twofold. There's two things to talk about when it comes to God being the gardener. First is that he cuts off every branch that does not bear fruit. And secondly is that God prunes those that are in Christ to bear fruit, bear more fruit. So those two things. Within this point, we're going to talk about the gardener. He cuts off every branch that does not bear fruit. And also that God prunes those that are in Christ to bear more fruit. And this is honestly the love of the Father. But let's talk about fruit. Let's break it down. What is fruit? Fruit is obedience to God, his commandments. Fruit is uh, new believers coming to faith in Christ. Fruit is the love of Christ residing in you. And overall, fruit is Christian character. All right? So when it comes to believing in God, putting our faith in Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, God wants to produce fruit in our lives, but we have to remain in him. And this fruit is simply growing, being able to exemplify the love of Christ to others, being able to walk out in obedience, and also having the characteristics of a believer, of a follower of Christ. And oftentimes, we might not even pay attention to fruit. You know, we might just think, well, in the back burner of our mind, it's just, I'm saved, you know. And we know, church, let's not fool ourselves. We know that there's parts of our lives that we need to bring to God. And even if we don't, it says in his word that he will cut off every branch that does not bear fruit. And we're going to go over what that means. What is not good or fruitful cannot be connected to God. What is good and bad cannot mix. So if God is good, he can't have something in his presence, something that is bad. So for us, for instance, it's, in the, it's the gospel. We were deserving of God's wrath. We were wicked people. But when we put our faith in Christ, God now sees us through the lens of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? But because we were made new in Christ. But beforehand, we deserved the wrath of God. And if you remember on the cross, when Jesus was there on the cross, and he says, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? And in that moment that God turned his back on his son, Jesus, that should have been us. We were deserving of that wrath. We were deserving of that penalty for our sins, right? We were unholy. We're not clean. But because Jesus took that penalty on the cross, we are now made righteous in Christ. So now we stand before God and we're made holy. We stand before God and we're cleaned. There's no stain. We're made white as snow. So what is good and bad cannot mix. Fruitlessness is a mark of a true Christian. And Let's be real, you know, we, we, we often, oftentimes say or hear this, uh, uh, I guess, phrase, walk the walk, talk the talk. At least I do. 
<laughs> walk the walk, talk the talk. So it's like, huh, if you really, you know, you hear people talk, oh, I do this, I do that, I do this, I'm all about this. And you see the way they walk, the way that they act out, the way they behave, you're like, uh, I don't really know. Or you hear someone say, you know, I'm a great mother or father, and then you see them just really disrespect their own kids in public and make them a fool in front of everyone. You're like, I don't know if that's the best way. But what I'm trying to say is that if we are Christians, if we say that we're Christians, let's act like it. That's really direct and really forward, and I, and I pray that we, I just stick to it. But if we say that we are believers in Christ, let's stick to it. That the fruit, how we act, how we behave, what we say, what we um, the what we listen to, the way we act, the way we treat others is really in a reflection of what we believe God has called us to. So if we're over here living a reckless life, then there's going to be some things that, that need to be cut off of our life. He cuts off every branch that does not bear fruit. Now, this is, this is a really interesting part, right? Branches are wood, right? We're all, we're all aware of that. We're all on the same page about that. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Um, dead wood needs to go. They are not able to produce or, or else they would have been pruned by God. So if you have a dead branch that is not producing fruit, the best thing to do is to cut it off. Oftentimes it can affect the rest of the tree. Oftentimes it can affect the rest of the, the, uh, the vine. And the reason why it needs to be cut off is because there's honestly an opportunity for that branch to come back to God. There's oftentimes... That branch, that, that branch who are people can come back to the Lord to bear fruit. So an illustration is this, and I know a lot of you will be able to relate. So when it comes to military training, who's served uh, our country before? Who's been in the military? A veteran? We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I know there's a few. Um, or even if you're aware of it, when it comes to military training, do you all remember those that have served, but also those that haven't, probably know that training never stops, right? There's all this, uh, there's a briefing, and you go to this uh, briefing, and they tell you, all right, we're going to train in this way, this way, and you just wake up, you got to go to PT, and, and sometimes you're in, uh, in the classroom, sometimes you're, in the, you're, you're taking care of your duty, and there's just all this training, training, training. Have you ever noticed that there's not an end to the training? And some of you are like, I wish there was. Like, you get, some of you can remember back. But when the military, a platoon, a squadron, a flight, across all the boards of the military um, service branches, training continues, continues, continues. But have you noticed that there, it just doesn't end? When you get to one point, they're like, we've reached this point, guess what? Hey, we have more training, let's go. And you start producing yourself, or start growing as an individual, as a professional in your profession, whether you're working on planes, whether you're infantry, whatever it is, there's always training, always training. And what's the, the illustration there is this, is that God is trying to train us up to be faithful and to produce fruit, to look more like his son Jesus, but it never stops. The training never ends. And some of you, that might be bad news, but some of you are like, okay, well, that, that brings peace because it, I felt like it's never stopped. But training forth to bring forth fruit in, uh, for God's glory never ends. We never reach perfection on this side of heaven. And I know some of you just look at your husband and go, he's perfect. Some of you look at your wife and like, she's perfect. I understand you're saying it in a loving way. But when it comes to spirituality, nothing is perfect on this side of heaven except God himself. So when it comes to working out our faith and producing fruit, growing in our faith, producing um, characteristics of God 
in his son Jesus Christ, we're never going to reach a point where we say, I am now perfect. We're never going to say that. And if you do, uh, then I pray someone comes and knocks you off your uh, high horse. Maybe it's the sermon, I don't know. Um, But we're never going to reach a moment of perfection until we are with Christ. So training never ends. Now, when it comes to God pruning those who are in Christ and bears to bear more fruit, the word prune can be translated as cleanse. So those that are producing fruit, maybe some good, some bad, but they're, they're producing fruit. Believers who are, are seeking after God's kingdom, who are reading the word and really saying, there's things about me. I got saved yesterday. I got saved 10 years ago. I got saved 30 years ago. There's things about me that need to change, and I'm aware of that, God. God, do your work in me. I want those things to go. That, that attitude of mine, mm, I always respond back. You know, people in the drive-thru, I might say thank you when I get my McDonald's, but when I drive off, I have a mouth. Ooh. Or maybe it's that just your tendencies. Maybe it's the fact that you, you look at people and you judge. Whatever it is that you're shortcoming, whatever shortcoming you have, take that before the Father. But there's things about us, no matter how far we've gotten in our faith, how much we've grown, can we be honest with ourselves? is that there's things that need to change, things that we need to bring before the Father to prune, to cleanse, to trim. Oftentimes when you have, um, uh, I guess, a garden or, or bushes in your front lawn, they kind of get out of hand, right? They, they can grow and you can, if you don't touch them or trim them, they can get out of hand and look really bad. And oftentimes you gotta go and little, give a little trim, make it look nice and square, make it into a nice round circle to make it look as it should. But oftentimes in us, we fail to recognize that there's parts of our lives that God is trying to trim. He's trying to mold us into the image of his son. He's trying to perfect us. And again, we won't be perfected on this side of heaven, but a time will come where we are perfected in the presence of Christ. So that being said, cleansing is an ongoing thing, just like the training, right? Coming before God and being renewed being molded into his ima- the image of his son never ends. And I know a lot of you, this might be new, but I want to tell you and encourage you that come as you are to God. Whatever you have, by no means is this a message that you have to come perfect to God. Again, no one's going to be perfect on this side of heaven. But maybe you don't know. Maybe there's someone here today that doesn't know that you can come before God just as you are. Hold on, Jacob, you mean with all the garbage I'm carrying around, with all the baggage, with all the the heartaches, with all the the hurt I've been through? Bring that to God. Why? Because he's going to refine you. He's going to cleanse you. He's going to work that out for your own good. And uh, let me share this illustration. Everyone knows that when you um, get married, things aren't always perfect. That you might think, you know, that... that, um, that first few stages of, of, your, of the months that you're married, you might be thinking that this is literally a perfect person. I've thought that too. I've been, people thought that about me. I'm just kidding. But we all, we all realize that there's things that we need to work out in, in, in that relationship, in a marriage. It's like, wow, well, there's things you got to work on. Mm-hmm. And there's things that I need to work on. There's things that the husband needs to work on. There's things that the wife needs to work on. Why? To come into a union. Why? To glorify God. Right? So training, being cleansed, being molded by God never ends, even in the marriage covenant. And I want to share Hebrews 12, verses 4 through 11. Hebrews 12, verses 4 through 11. 
It says this, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten that the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. We're talking about pruning. We're talking about God cleansing us, God molding us into the image of his son. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Verse seven, endure hardships as discipline. God is treating you as sons and daughters. For what what son is disciplined by the father? If you are not disciplined, then you are illegitimate children and are not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Verse 10, our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. Verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So we're encouraged to, when, when we go through trials, and, and I've been, my eyes have been open to the reality that when I go through hard times, it's not all for the sake of just me going through a hard time or me suffering. Like, oh, life's so hard. Honestly, God allows certain things to happen in my life, in your life, because it's going to bring about cleansing in your life. It's going to bring about holiness, but we have one or two options to do with it. When we are presented with hardships, when you are presented with hardships, you have one or two things to do with it. You can either rebuke God for it, or you can lean into God and ask him to help you and and ask him, Lord, what are you doing through this hardship? God, what are you doing in me? How is it that you want me to look like your son, Jesus Christ? How is it, or what is it, that you're trying to trim away from my life? We would oftentimes see a big change in our relationship with the Lord and how we look as believers, representations, ambassadors of Christ, if we were to ask that question, God, what is it that you're trying to show me during this, and it spoke of a father's discipline, right? Parents in here, uh, I'm, I am a parent. I have a, a daughter named Chloe. She is a miniature dachshund, and oftentimes Angela will res- resort to me disciplining this really young 13-year-old miniature dachshund. It hurts Angela's heart to discipline the poor little dog, but I mean, it hurts mine too, but I'm just more stern, right? But when it comes to parents, oftentimes you, you, you tell your children, or I've been told, I do this because I love you. And they're like, you're crazy. Do you not see the, 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 the blood streaming from my leg? You hit me so hard with the belt, or my ear just popped out of the socket. Oftentimes, kids don't understand, but you understand that I do this because I love you. You tell them that. And it might come to a point where later in life, your children have come to you and said, you know what? Mom, dad, grandparents, I really disliked you when you did that to me. When you disciplined me, I really disliked you. But guess what? I've learned so much from you. Thank you for that. And I pray that that moment comes, whether it's your children or grandchildren. But there's been a time in my life, I remember in high school, going before my parents um, and just weeping. And they're like, what's wrong with you? You don't cry. What's wrong? I came before my parents and I just said, 
thank you so much for all you've done for me. And they're like, oh, what'd you drink? This is great. They, you know, got out the popcorn, started eating all. I keep going. Mm, this is great. We're finally being thankful for all the things we did. But I came before my mom, before my dad, and I still, to this day, I, I give them kisses and hugs, and I, I just say thank you. I'm never going to stop saying thank you because I know that the discipline that really gave me a heartache in the past was for my own good, that there were things about my life when I was trying to act up in school, it was for my own good. And there's this one story I want to share with you this morning that there was a moment in, when I was in my third grade reading class where I spoke back to my, to my teacher. Her name was Mrs. Hernandez. This was, this was in San Antonio, Texas, and I spoke back to my, to my teacher in reading class, and I thought nothing of it. I, I left that class feeling like a champ. I spoke back to her, peace, I'm out. When I got home, my dad goes, how was school? I go, Father, thee, it was great. It was wonderful. He goes, really, I got a call from Miss Hernandez. I just stopped in my tracks. I'm like, oh, did you? And he shares with me, you spoke back to her, and you disrespected her in front of the class, for that, tomorrow, I'm coming to school with you. On my lunch break, I'm going to take off. I have a briefing tomorrow to do, but I'm going to cancel that to come to school with you and to sit with you in your reading class so that you don't disrespect your teacher. Oh, my goodness. The, the fear that was in my soul and the fear in my eyes, I started screaming, crying. And again, I was in third grade. This didn't happen yesterday. And I start screaming, crying. And my dad tells me, it's for your own good. It's so that you can learn. He came in the next day. He sat in his uniform. And everyone's like, oh, we have a guest speaker. And I'm like, mm -mm. no. Everyone's like, oh, who is that? And they're like, and they see him sit down next to me. And like those little, those really small, uh, like third grade chairs. You know, he's at a table that's smaller than him. He's bigger than everyone in the class. So everyone's like, Oh, they quickly realized that he's there to discipline me. It was extremely embarrassing, but to this day, I, I tell my dad thank you because that showed me respect for others. That showed me he disciplined me, and he taught me a lesson through that. So oftentimes, we're, we're pruned. God trims away at our life. He's trying to show us something in hardships, but it's for our own good. So we went over cleansed by God. Verses 3 and 5, the point is to remain in God. Have you allowed God into every room of your life? If not, God wants to purify the worst parts about you. So in our, in our life, I want you to think of the analogy that we all have, everyone has their own, I guess, is their own house. There's different rooms to this body. You know, there's the, the relationships room over here, and there's uh, uh, the work room over here, and there's the uh, relaxation watching sports room over here, and there's a kitchen where like, you just really fall in love with your wife because she cooks amazing food type of room. So there's different rooms, figuratively speaking, to everyone's life. Then there's also that secret room. There's also that sinful room. There's also that unholy room. Have you allowed God into every room of your life? If not, just know that God wants to purify the worst parts about you. Someone might know that God is asking, someone might know what God is asking of them, but they are delaying their obedience. I want to talk on that. Oftentimes we know, let's be real church, we know what is right and what is wrong. 
And some of us might not, but we learn from God's word, right? We know what we ought to do and what we ought not to do. We're, we're logical beings. We understand, you know, and if you didn't know, there is a holy God that requires us to be in relationship with him, that we, we have an opportunity to be in relationship with him. But that doesn't come without being cleansed of our sins. Amen? But when it comes to obedience, did you know that delayed obedience is disobedience? Remember uh, Jonah? Well, he deliberately disobeyed God, but he walked in the opposite direction. Jonah, God said, Jonah, I want you to go to Ninevites. They're wicked people. Preach my word to them. They will come to know me. Jonah was like, okay, no. And he went the other way, right? He deliberately disobeyed, but he also delayed his obedience because he didn't have any plan to go to Nineveh. How often do we receive a word from God in what direction we ought to go, and we're like, God, I agree with you 100%. God, you are up there. You are running this, this world. You are doing such a great job. I applaud you. You spoke to me. You told me to do this. I will just wait. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. So oftentimes we know what God has told us, and maybe you don't have something in your mind right now. Well, God is speaking to me and telling me this this week. Maybe there's not an actual thought in your head that you're thinking about saying to yourself, God wants me to do this. But guess what? If it's not in your head, it's right here. God has called us to be sons and daughters of him, to be nurtured, to be made holy in him. So that is the commandment we're talking about today, right? So in light of being obedient, in, my, in light of being remaining in God, God has called us to holiness. Again, this is like part two of, of a few weeks ago. And the first point, cleansed by God. The second, remain in God. Third point, fruitlessness has no place with God. Fruitless branches are thrown away. And this is one or two connotations or ideas behind it. That believers who were not believers to begin with will be cut. Or they were Christians who lived a wasted life. What that means is that God is going to prune, God, excuse me, God is going to cut away those that, when it came to faith in Christ, didn't want to be produced in holiness, didn't want to be cleansed and want to be um, made holy in his sight. And oftentimes we know that what we reap is what we sow. I know we, we always tell those that are younger than us, oftentimes we tell ourselves, it's like, if I work hard for this I'm going to get it. You reap what you sow. You put in the work, you will reap what you sow. And when it comes to spirituality, to growing in Christ, I want to say, by no means be intimidated by this. This is God's love story throughout history of man for you and for me. But when it comes to understanding it, it's not going to come to, it's not going to come to your spirit. It's not going to speak to your spirit. You're not going to be able to grow in faith if it sits and collects dust. So I challenge you, open the pages of the word of God. Learn what God is trying to tell you. You might say, well, God's not telling me anything. It's because this is closed. So I challenge you and I tell you with love, church, that we cannot possibly grow in holiness. We cannot possibly abide in God without his word. Do what you want to, uh, do you want to glorify God with your life? That's a question rhetorically. 
But if you do, then follow Christ. Abide in Christ. Lastly, third point, or fourth point is this. We remain in Christ for God's glory. This is really eye-opening to me. Let me turn back to, um, to John. It says this in verses 7 and 8. Turn with me. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Oh, thank. I knew God was a genie. It says, ask whatever you want. I want Skittles for breakfast. I want this promotion. I want this. It says, ask whatever you want, right? No, that's definitely not what it's saying, but it's even better than that. It says, verse 7 again, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and, you will be, and it will be given to you. Verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So it says this, if you remain in God, if you continuously pursue the Lord, and if you abide in him, what does abide mean? It means that you make yourself available to him, that you, you say, God, I can't do anything without you, I need you. You abide in him by, by practically, by coming to church, by reading your word, by worshiping, by having your time alone with God. Christian life isn't always public. It's also private in the sense of that you come before God in your devotional time. So it's practically, it looks like that. But if you remain in God, in Christ, he will remain in you. And it says this, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. And I know this is going to answer a lot of questions for maybe a few of us. But God is not a genie. We don't literally just speak, God, I want this, and it happens. We know that. I'm sure all of us have maybe asked God for a request in our past life. But what's really interesting here is that fruit is the result of prayer in Jesus' name. So when you stay close to God, when you remain in close relationship with Christ, you start to get to know the heart of Christ. You start to get to know the characteristics of Jesus. What does he desire? What does he want from me? What does he ask of me? So the more and more you, you come in contact with Christ, the more and more you get to know about him. So then instead of your prayers being something of low, um, I guess, low request of just something of, of our daily needs, you start to realize, well, God's heart is this. And when it says God... Let me read it so I don't misquote it. Ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. When, God said, when Jesus says, ask whatever you want to his disciples and it will be given to you, that is only in accordance to God's will. All right? But it's like, well, so I can only ask things that God desires? True. But the more and more we get to know Christ, the more and more we will desire what he desires. So when it comes to asking whatever you want, the more and more you're closer to Christ, your request will be according to his will. All right? That was eye-opening for me, and I hope it's eye-opening for you. That the closer we are to Christ, our heart, our desires, our passions, um, our thoughts will be according to his will, not our own. When you first meet someone, you don't really know who they are, right? You're just like, hey, so what's your name, where you live, what you do, All right? But as you get to know them, you're, you, you, you know them, and you see them, after knowing them for, say, two years, and you, hey, hey, John, how's it going? Hey, so how's your family? How's your wife? Oh, by the way, I heard you got a new niece. How is she? You know them, and your questions are about their life, right? In the same way with Christ. As you know Christ, you know more about him, and you grow closer to him so that your requests, your prayers 
are according to his will. You, you have closer relationship. So in finishing, I, I want to just go over a few more verses. We're being trained by God. Give credit where credit is due. Actually, it's, a, it's the last part of verse 8. This is to my Father's glory. So to produce fruit, church, to grow in holiness, to exemplify characteristics of Christ, sorry to pop your bubble, but it's for God's glory, not yours. <laughs> it's for God's glory, not yours. So when we have certain things about our lives, and I'm sure all of us can say, I could boast in this, but I'd rather not. I'm a boast in Christ, but there's something good. God has produced this in my life. God has produced peace in my life. God has produced uh, 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 low temperament for me, uh, self-control, love, kindness. God has produced all that in me, but you know what? There's some areas that aren't so great in me. But all of it, whether it's one fruit that is produced in your life or multiple, it's all for God's glory. And if you praise yourself for the fruit, then it's something's wrong. We ought to praise the Lord because he is the one doing a work in us. Remember that it is for God's glory, not our own. Now, in conclusion, dependency on God. To talk about that is, I want to share this with you. You might be thinking that God cannot possibly use you for his glory. You might be thinking that. You might be thinking that you have too much filth or sin for God to purify you. I want to tell you right now, stop that nonsense. Stop that nonsense. According to God's word, stop that. It has nothing to do with what you think about yourself. It has everything to do with what God already did on the cross. He wants you to be connected to him. He wants to work in your life to cleanse you of your burden and sin. There's a big but in the room. But you must allow him into your heart but you must allow him into your heart. John 1.14 says this, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So let me, let me share this with you. You might think you're too far-fetched. You might think that God can't do a work in you. Guess what? When you couldn't do anything for yourself, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God sent his Son to earth to be a representation of him so that you may know him. When you thought that God couldn't do a work in you, he sent the answer to earth to die on the cross for you and I. When you could not be connected to him, God gave the solution. His name is Jesus. Romans 5, 8 says this, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While you and I were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's God's love. If you think God can't do a work in you, that is the most, that's the biggest lie you've ever believed. If you believe that God can't make you holy, can't cleanse you, can't literally do away with the hurt and the pains in your life, then that's the biggest lie that someone told you and you're starting to believe it. But guess what? That's not the truth. When you had no way to God the Father, when you had no way to be cleansed of your sin, when you had no way to be made righteous, God showed his love for you and I to send his son on the cross to die for us. Church, I could stand up here and tell you we have to be holy, but the best way to say that is we get to be holy. Because if we didn't have the Savior to come and die on the cross for us, we would 
stay sinful. We would stay wicked. We would stay uncleansed by God. But we have an opportunity. We get to be made holy by God. So those hard areas of your life, those things that you might not even be happy with, or maybe it's something that someone's brought to your attention. This part of your life ain't right. Mm -mm. Your actions, the way you are with so-and-so, whatever it may be, I can go on and on with examples, but you know what it is. If it weren't for God sending his son to die on the cross, there would be no way out of that part of your life. But God has sent his son to die and to make us clean in him, to be made righteous. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, God, Lord, your word says to abide in you, that you abide in us. God, you, you didn't make us robots, Lord. God, you made us with free will that we may choose you or reject you, God. And we're learning today that if we abide in you, you abide in us. But apart from you, God, that we can do nothing. That nothing good can come of us if we do not abide in you. Lord, this morning I pray for Rocky Mount Baptist Church, those that are new to this church and those that have been here for a while. God, that may you produce something in us as a body of your son, Jesus Christ. May you produce in us individually as well that we may resemble your son, Jesus. God, bring to light what it is that you want to do in each and every one of our lives. Reveal it to us. Open our eyes. Oftentimes for me and maybe others, you got to smack us upside the head, Lord God, to say, hey, I want to do this in your life. God, may you open our hearts to receive it, God. You've given us this option to reject you or accept you, God. I pray that we accept you this morning. Amen.